Hey, Ding Dong. Welcome back to the good place. <laughs> a podcast about, formerly about NBC's The Good Place, and now about whatever we dang feel like. And if you're wondering why we are laughing up at the top, it is that we were getting into, like, a film school-style discussion for, like, a solid 20 minutes about the movie that we watched this week, which is called uh, Candy Jar. Uh, and we realized, <laughs> Marissa realized that we weren't recording. So we're starting again. My name is Brianna. And with me, actually, literally recording on the line with me now. <laughs> she would love... She would love all the candy in the guidance counselor's office. It is my sister, Marissa. I'll make the same joke for the third time now, which is that uh, <laughs> those those good and plenties that the Bennett ordered at the theater at the end are a crime against humanity. I don't they... love all candy. I have standards. <laughs> but all the candy in the guidance counselor's office looked good. It did look good. It looked great. It also looked in a pandemic time like a transmission vector. People just <laughs> dig in their hands. Just in jar. open jars while yeah. you're talking about your feelings. Yeah, so basically this is just the third in an installment of what we are calling What a Stupid Age for our theme about like sort of light high school movies. This week, uh, get ready to talk as fast as you can because we watched the Netflix original movie Candy Jar, which is about a high school debate team that has two people on it. And surprise, surprise, they get over their differences and they fall in like with each other at the end. So before we get into the recap, I think we got a little heavy into discussion. <laughs> and, and we were cursed by the gods. And so I think that's our, that's our recording device's way of telling us to save discussion for the end. So we'll do housekeeping and then the recap. A little housekeeping up front, as usual, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. If you want to rate and review us on iTunes, we don't have, obviously, you know, we haven't gotten a review in a while, but if you want to just say, hey, let us know you're still listening, that'd be lovely. You can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play, where a lot of people have been leaving us, and we encourage you to leave us TV shows and movies that you'd like us to do. That we've Um, been ignoring. Yeah, but I think I think we should get to them soon. I think some of them are, you know, we've had some really good uh, feedback from people. And you can follow us on Twitter at the Good Play Pod, and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail dot com. Okay, I'm going to skip our extremely cursed discussion. <laughs> Do you want to talk about mom news though? Oh yeah, our mom finally got to the season one closer of The Good Place. <laughs> Because they've been in lockdown, and so they don't have anything else to do. So they've been watching TV. And she talked to me on the phone last week, and she was like, Marissa, Michael is a demon! (laughs) It was pretty great. It was just so lovely to have somebody, like, have that revelation. For the first time. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, the next, like, few episodes are some of my favorite episodes. You gotta stick with it. Like, she seems, like incredulous that the show can continue from this point because she doesn't understand the magic. I mean, we were also, we were like, what is season two going to be? The, the jig is up, right? But I did, I remember when she started watching it, we were on the phone and she was like, this show is really weird. I don't know about this show. It's really weird, Brianna. And I was like, just please stick with it. That's how our mom talks, by the way. <laughs> um, but I was like, just stick with it, please. So I'm really glad that she stuck with it and uh, she 
and got that amazing reveal for the first time. It was great. Yeah. All right. I, wait, let me let me say my one sentence, which is that this movie is four sevenths of the way yes. to being a great movie. That yes. is my twenty thousand foot view. But then we started discussing it earlier, and it was cursed. So I'm just going <laughs> to get into the recap. Four sevenths of a good movie, um, and then I, I, think, I said four have... sevenths of a great movie. I think it's like this is a perfectly fine movie. You know, it's not. Yeah. If it was four sevenths of the way to a good movie, it would be pretty crappy. Mm, but it's four okay. sevenths of the way to a great movie, which means it's like pretty okay. Yeah, I had to fight the transitive property of good to great. Sure. Um, yeah, and I, Fractions. you know, we'll have, we'll have fractions. I feel like your second grader who is distance learning. <laughs> he loves fractions. Yeah, we'll have a lot to discuss at the end and, and throughout the recap, but I think it's a good thing if we just jump into the recap. How do you want to work it? Do you want me to do it? Do you? Oh, wanna... I can do it. It's okay. fine. So our main characters are Lona who is a high school senior, and Bennett, who is also a high school senior. If it matters, she's white and he's black. I think it kind of does matter. I think it does, too. So they are having a vociferous argument in the principal's office about who should be president of... They are are at an extremely ominously named prep school. (laughs) I thought the same thing! I was like, Hemlock Prep Academy. Girl, I just read a book about vampires... And uh, they are going to a vampire school called Evernight Academy. And I read some review that was like, who names a school for vampires Evernight Academy? You're just asking to get, just asking to get found out. I was like, that's a fair point. But then also this movie has a hemlock prep, which seems like, you know, like a murder society. Wasn't there a famous philosopher who died from hemlock poisoning? Yeah, he was forced to... Forced to drink. Socrates was forced to drink hemlock yes, by, by the state. Yes. Because he was the gadfly of Athens or something. Uh, whatever. <laughs> it's an ominously named prep school. It is. Called Hemlock Prep. Uh, and it comes up in the in the argument that Bennett comes for money and Lona does not. Yeah. And they're like shrieking in front of the principal about who should be, because they're both they're the only two people in the prep, in the debate club. And so they can't decide who should be president. And the principal's like, I don't care. Just, you'll be co-presidents or there'll be no president. Just like, leave me alone and go talk to the guidance counselor. And they go talk to their guidance counselor individually, I guess, you know, obviously. Who she, like, the reason the movie's called Candy Jar is because her office is adorned with candy jars and they both like love this guidance counselor. And she's played by Helen Hunt. Uh, who's, like, probably the biggest star we've seen in any of these Netflix movies, right? I haven't seen her in a while. It was nice to see Helen Hunt again. Yeah, she looked good. Yeah, I thought so, too. So she's just, like, you know, she's just, like, a sort of textbook guidance counselor being, like, you know, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you can be co-presidents. Maybe you're going to have to learn to work with somebody, you know, we've never... And they're both like, no, (laughs) can't do that. Ugh. And we find out that she has her heart set on Harvard and he has his heart set on Yale and they're both going early decision to their respective schools. And their club advisor, who is like a poor man, Stephen Tobolowski. Yes! Oh my God. <laughs> so Bobo Tobolowski <laughs> is like, you know, you guys have to work together. And also we have these two, this, these twin, these twin boys who are just joined debate club, which is like, they exist to be explained to. Yeah. That was the, because, o- 
Yeah. <laughs> they that's are a, audience surrogates. That's another, um, we talked in the uh, recording that got eaten. <laughs> the cursed recording. The cursed recording. We talked about how, so the, the screenwriter, this is his only writing credit. And I think that's one of the ways that that stuck out for me that like that maybe this was written by somebody with not a lot of screenwriting experiences that they just have characters who follow them around and ask questions and the two main characters fill in the exposition of why they're doing what they're doing by explaining it to their new recruits right yeah so okay we cut to lona's house where she's having dinner with her mom who's christina Hendricks? uh who is gorgeous off- who Who is like, I'm a straight woman, but she's on my I'm a straight woman, but list. <laughs> she is gorgeous. My she's Kinsey so... number is the Chris... one that means you're totally straight, except for Christina Hendricks and Jillian Anderson. <laughs> uh, I my mine includes also Mariska Hargitay. Mm, I don't think I could. I don't think I could divorce her from the fact that I would think she was there to interview me about, you know, I had been assaulted. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Marishka Hargitay. She does really important work. She does. I'm not trying to neg her. Yes. I know you're not, you're not, you're not trying to bring her down in any way. We know. Right. And Bennett's having dinner with his mom. And they make it very clear early on that Lona's family was just, they're both, they're both being raised by single moms, but Lona's family is very poor. And uh, Bennett's family is extremely wealthy. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's mentioned at one point that she gave like 100000 She went to Yale. Bennett's mom went to Yale. Bennett's mom is a state senator. Yeah. They're in Georgia. I don't know. Like a state senator from Georgia is somebody who is expected to be that wealthy. Maybe she must have been. I think she was a lawyer, you know, who made a lot of money, you know, yeah. early on in her life. But, oh, it's, it's mentioned at some point that she gave $100,000 to Yale you know, yeah. Which I think for Yale is like, oh, that's a chump change. But <laughs> <laughs> we're meant to understand that Bennett has everything that he could ever want or need. And the moms knew each other when they they seem to have grown up together. Yeah. So Christina and so uh, Uzo Aduba is the woman who's playing Bennett's mom. So they grew up together. Is is, is something that we we learn at this. Yeah. Uh, so Lone is a scholarship kid at ominously named Prep Academy. And Bennett obviously is his his mom is you know paying full fare. Yeah, uh, and we see that Bennett is like a doodler. This doesn't. This is another theme that I felt like kind of neat. Like it only kind of creeps in at the edges. Like I, I was a hundred percent sure that he was like secretly wanted to be an art student. And yeah, his mom was. He really him wanted to do. go to RISD, not to <laughs> and canoe to class. This is. <laughs> You really have to listen to last week's episode <laughs> to get some of our references this week. But yeah, like I, I for sure thought that he really wanted to go. I mean, and this was a theme too in the half of it with the love interest who loved to paint and then kind of like put it away because of the expectations of, you know, society slash her family, whatever. Like I was like, oh, okay, we're getting some themes about through this through our theme month about like creativity and how like kids are sort of funneled into these things that will make them quote unquote high achieving and not really express themselves. But that doesn't really, that's not really a theme. I made that up in my head and I was very interested in that, but it, it didn't happen here really. Yeah, it was odd. It, it comes up a tiny bit later, but it's, it's a, it's, it's a real nothing of a plot yeah. thread. Yeah. 
So we finally, the next day, we get a look at what modern speech and debate looks like. And oh. I had no idea this is what debate was. Is I thought it debate... really? Or did yes. I just... Oh, no, no, no. This, this movie would not have played fast and loose uh, with the rules. Like, apparently this is what debate is, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. It ain't fun. They are yelling as fa- I'm not going to do it because it would be so annoying to listen to it on a podcast and our voices are annoying enough as it is. <laughs> they are yelling a, a, a speech as fast as they can. She's, she gives her words per minute at some point. Isn't it like 400 or something crazy like yeah. that? 400 words per minute. <laughs> what? So the, the dumb twins at some point kind of like elicit from them, uh, Bennett and Lona, like what the, the explanation for like, why is debate like this? And the answer is that at some point, the amount of time people have to to use to make their points got shrunk down from some larger number down to eight minutes. And they grade people based on, there's some sort of like every, for every point you make, for every like fact that you bring to bear, you get a point or something like they don't go super deep into the scoring system. I suspect because it wouldn't support what ends up happening at state championships. No. And what you do is you email the thing you're going to say, you email to the judges. So the judges aren't even listening to you. They're just reading your speech as you say it out loud. I think to, you know, so they're really just reading to give points or whatever. And so it is the most, a sonically unpleasant thing. And also it's just like, how is this a debate? Like you can't, (laughs) this is not a usable skill. You can't go to the, you can't become a presidential candidate and be like, you know, do I hear 100 for the (laughs) civil war reproduction? Do I hear 200? Do I hear 250, 300, 300, 350, 400? Sold to the American. Like, (laughs) which is like the, the the pace that this is happening at, it's so awful. I was like, oh my god, I hate this. This is the worst extracurricular I've ever seen. It's very jarring, and I think you're right. Like, you know, towards the end, she says, like, maybe I'll become a lawyer or whatever, and this will have served me in some way. And I'm like, I don't think it is, because I don't <laughs> think as a lawyer, you can go in, in front of a jury and be like, ladies and gentlemen, here's the thing. My client didn't murder anybody. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, you can't do that. Like, the evidence suggests that blah, 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 blah. It's just like, oh, and my God. And for another thing, the murder rate in the city is so cosmically small. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God, this is so... And also, and also, they use the same debate question all season that was the other thing that blew my mind i would believe that i have, uh, i believe that they have 100 percent represented this sport quote-unquote sport accurately <laughs> if anyone wants to email us and be like no i did debate recently it has to be recently right because it seems like this is a recent rules change i did debate recently and this is completely inaccurate then i will listen to you but otherwise i choose to believe this is completely accurate and like so they are just, this is an entire season of debate where they just keep arguing the same question, which is bonkers. I mean, they should get like, you shouldn't have to come up with an argument on the fly because they have to be able to use real statistics and stuff. Mm-hmm. I understand that you can't know everything about every topic. That's fine. But like, it should be like a week before the competition, they tell you the topic that's going to be debated, and then you have a week, like, like I'm writing a paper, like you have a week to research the the af and the neg. Is that what it was? Af yes. and neg? Yes. 
you have a, a week to ref, to to research the af and the neg and and draw up your arguments or whatever, and then that's what's going to be you know that weekend, and then the next time there's a competition, they'll come up with a new position. The no, we have to hear them arguing. screaming about college tuition for. <laughs> 80 minutes scene after scene after scene right because the topic is the cost of a college education outweighs the benefits that's the thing that they keep screaming about yeah i got some thoughts on that myself (laughs) (laughs) and so we see bennett and lona going through like a like a like a regional competition or whatever and then they both win but because they're from the same school they're not allowed to debate each other so they're like co-winners which you know, they're both like, oh, it's fine, I guess. Yeah. So next is a scene of them both like lovingly preparing their early decision applications. Like on paper, which I feel like is probably not the thing that happens anymore. It's not. It's definitely a hundred percent not. It wasn't when I was applying to college a hundred <laughs> oh, year, years ago. Kill, years me. ago. <laughs> Kill me in the face. <laughs> but they have lovingly filled out their paper early decision applications and put them in the big manila envelopes. And Kathy, the guidance counselor, puts a special candy-themed stamp on them. I thought that them. was cute. I was glad that this didn't become like a comedy, a quote-unquote comedy of errors where like the application gets lost or something. Like I didn't want. I 100% thought that's what was going to happen. Like, we got them mixed up and accidentally, you know, like, no. But thankfully, no. Their applications both get sent off. I mean, they're at a prep school. (laughs) And the guy who works the mailroom has seen thousands of kids, you know, sweatily handing in (laughs) their early decision applications. He knows it's a big deal. Yeah. Oh, and we we do get the tidbit of information that Bennett has had a recommendation written for him from Barack Obama. Yeah, which makes what happens very strange. It makes it inexplicable. <laughs> the child of an alumnus with a Barack Obama letter. I mean, it's just a plot contrivance for him to not get in. It's yeah. stupid. And the other thing I just want to point out really quickly is that, you know, he's like, do you think I'll get in, Kathy? And she's like, 100% of my students end up where they're meant to be. And I was like, oh... She didn't say yes. She said a thing that's going to come back later. Yeah. And um, I, it does come back later, but in a very strange way that we will talk about. (laughs) So next we see Lona's mom saying like, you should go to homecoming. And I brought home all these dresses. And if one fits you and there's like this really pretty one that has like a bare midriff that she looks really good in and like, go, go to homecoming. And she, and Lona's like, yeah, I have friends. I'm going to go to this, this dance with friends. And I was like, does she have friends? And it turns out she doesn't well, have a single friend. And that's, as we talked about in the cursed recording, like, <laughs> that's part of her problem as a character. As a character. Not, not like, the character's problem is that she, does not, she doesn't have friends, but it's a screenwriting problem. I mean, it is also doesn't... the character's problem. She, yeah. She the, <laughs> well, there is that. But it's a screenwriting problem that she doesn't have friends. She doesn't have a single... Other than... Confidant. Right. Other than Kathy. Kathy, I'm lost, I said. (laughs) Though I knew she was sleeping. I just want to sing that song. I'm guilty and aching and I don't know why. She doesn't have a single person who she kind of bears her actual emotions to. Right. So her character is all this exterior... And we never get a look at her interior. And that is her main problem. I would argue it's one of the main problems with the movie. I agree. Is that she's supposed to be the main character. And we never have any idea what she's thinking or feeling or wanting or needing. 
We get a little. Ever. We get a little bit of. I think you mentioned this. We get a little bit of voiceover at the very beginning from her. We get a little bit of voiceover at the very end from her. But they're all. It's all about Bennett. Yeah. It's so, not about her, herself. It's not about herself. It's not about her relationship with her mother. It's not about how she feels about college. Anything like that. Yeah. So. Lona does not go to Homecoming. She instead walks to some sort of independent movie theater Mm -hmm. that only plays French films. I was very unclear on the business model of this theater. (laughs) They seem to make a lot of money on snacks. (laughs) Yeah. So she, she walks in, she gets a popcorn and a Coke and she sits there and she watches a French film and then she goes back out and she buys another ticket to the same film. I couldn't tell if it was the same film or if this one theater was playing multiple French films. (laughs) who knows anyway the second time around she runs into bennett i think literally runs into bennett he looks good he does good in that white tux yeah (laughs) and yeah exactly he's wearing a tuxedo so he and she are obviously doing the same thing which is lying to their mothers (laughs) that they are going to homecoming and instead going to the independent uh foreign cinema place (laughs) You know, a normal thing that normal teenagers do. Sure. Better than doing whippets in the parking lot, I guess. <laughs> so he kind of, I think, he's always a little more open than she is. Like, yeah, I agree. He, he is sort of, I think he sort of is maybe like, you want to sit together or whatever, and she's just like, ugh, whatever. And she goes and sits by herself and kind of glances at him once, and he kind of glances at her once. This is a, like, again, this would be a place where you might have like a monologue like a voiceover you know like and and in the cursed unrecording i said like <laughs> a, a voiceovers are a screenwriting trick that are that it's like looked down upon it's supposed to be basically bad screenwriting like you're supposed to be able to convey whatever you want to convey through dialogue and visuals and that's fine but this is a netflix original movie <laughs> and if we have to lean on a crutch then i think you lean on that crutch, baby, <laughs> because she should have some sort of interior like monologue right here about what is she, what is she thinking? What is she feeling? Is she feeling like complete dread that Bennett and she are in the same theater? Is she feeling curious? Like, oh, he didn't go to homecoming either. Huh? Or yeah. something else. Like, what is she th- like? She's supposed to be our main character. I don't know anything about what she's feeling in this moment. Yeah. I which mean, is like, enough- the first moment between the two of them. That's like not completely adversarial. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, the other thing you can do if you want to be, like, kind of cute about it is have the movie that's playing on the screen reflect the emotions Mm. in the room, right? Yes. You know, have a character on screen going, like, I wasn't expecting to see you here. And then he's like, oh, I'm full of surprises or, like, whatever, you know, nonsense. (laughs) But in French. (laughs) But in French, yeah. yeah. Well, it was... Excuse me. Don't... I don't speak French. Um, I have an impeccable French accent. Impeccable French. Um, French accent. French accent. <laughs> Learn from Pepe Le Pew. Uh, no. <laughs> I learned from our mother, who was constantly yelling at us in French certain peppering phrases. Us, peppering us with French. Can I share, like, a, a little story? Whenever mom... Coco shows up. Yeah. Mom would ask us what we wanted to drink, but also... <laughs> Whenever mom and dad wanted to kind of, like, talk to one of us on the DL, they would say it in French, but it was usually our dad would just ask us if we had money in French. If we were going out with friends and, like, our friend was standing in the doorway, he would 
he would ask us in French if we had enough money. <laughs> they also thought it was they thought it was super unbreakable code to have a conversation between the two of them about whether they should take us to Baskin Robbins. Yes, <laughs> which <laughs> just every time was trente yeah, which of say. course is French for thirty one because Baskin Robbins at the time was like thirty one flavors. 31 that flavors. was their whole thing, and it's like you know you. Children are smart. <laughs> and you only need like two or three times between hearing your, your parents saying 31 in the kitchen and then dad being like, get in the car, girls, we're going to Baskin Robbins. You only need two or three times before you're like, I think 31 means Baskin Robbins. <laughs> That was a nice diversion. Into our... <laughs> yes. Impeccable French. Impeccable French. But anyway. Um, yeah. They are. <laughs> they come out of the theater and. She breaks a heel. Yes. And he sees her break a heel and she's going to walk home. And he's like, let me give you a ride. And she's like, no, I'll walk. He, she is so mean to him through this whole movie. Like. Yeah. He really tries. Relentlessly mean to him. He really tries. I think a lot of this is just, like, inherited hate, which, you know, because which, their their moms were rivals in high school. Yeah, I mean, and I have, later when we get to it, when we get to the scene where they're talking about the funeral, not mm. to give anything too much away in advance, remind me about that, because I had a point to make about that. Okay. Yeah. So she's like, no, no, I'll walk home. And he's like, come on, you know. <laughs> Let me drive you home. I have a car. Don't be, you know, don't be that way. And she's like, fine, take me straight home. And then, of course, cut to he's taking her to, like, a an unnamed drive-thru. Like an At least out. This movie, gotta give it credit, I don't believe anybody paid for product consideration in this movie. Like, Harvard and Yale didn't pay for to be included in this no. movie. They don't need it. And I don't think any of the candy did either. No. <laughs> this was just very honest. Like, they just did what they wanted. And so this is an unnamed drive-thru. And, yeah. you know... She's like, fast food is bad for you. You should watch this documentary. She's just like so super <laughs> uptight. Yeah. <laughs> should watch this documentary about how fast food is going to, it has some funny name. It's like fast and furiously destroying your guts or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like through your colon or something. Yeah. <laughs> watch this documentary about how fast food is going to blah, 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 blah. And he's like, cool. Oh, I'm going to get you a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> Shut you up, like, I will never have the chocolate milkshake. Smash cut to her. She's finishing the chocolate milkshake, of course. Yeah. And then he's like, offers her fries and gives her... Uh, his tuxedo jacket, because it's kind of chilly out. Although they're in Georgia, so I don't know how chilly it really is. Um, and it's like this, like, very sweet, kind of like, you're like, okay, this is the beginning of something. And then it turns out really not to be. <laughs> it's yeah. Like a, it's a very, it's just this moment sort of suspended from everything else. And then nothing seems to follow from it. I mean, you, I guess what you get from it is, like, they're both not bad people and they can interact civilly when they choose to but they don't choose to most of the time but it's it's like you said before it's all 90 percent of their interactions are bennett reaching out for her yes and her being really cagey and then finally going like oh fine there were so many times this movie that i was like girl can you be gracious about anything ever he fine okay he fine so (laughs) Right, so the next day is regional qualifiers, and Bennett and Lona's moms have a bit of a run-in in the parking lot, and 
you know, Lona is, Lona's mom's obviously insecure about the fact that, you know, they are poor and Bennett's family is extremely wealthy. And at the debate, we get introduced to Jasmine, who is, I, I want to say she's Latina. Does that, or is she African-American? I, she... I think she's, I think she is black, right? Because her debate partner later is Latina. Yeah. And I think, okay, well, who knows? I'm not trying to put, <laughs> I don't know what she identifies as. It's, it's a little bit difficult to tell, but let's say, I think she's supposed to read as black. Yeah. And Jasmine, instead of, you see every other student being like, the cost of a college education is completely and but she just gets up and just talks in a normal voice about how this whole thing is stupid <laughs> and how, you know, underprivileged kids, you know, aren't even getting the help to get through high school, forget about college or whatever. And they, uh, Lona and Bennett are sitting in the back, or maybe it's just Lona, is sitting in the back of the room with the dumb twins behind her. And they're being like, wait, what is she doing? And Lona's like, she always does this. She thinks, you know, her feelings are better than facts, but that's not how you get points in a debate competition. So I'm just going to draw an analogy right now. As as hellish as I think debate is, it seems stupid and worthless. <laughs> I'm sorry, people who did debate. It seems like a complete soul-sucking waste of time. But as much as I think that, it seems like to, to me, like, debate is like soccer. And there are rules to score points in soccer. And all the kids are dribbling the ball and making shots on goal. And what Jasmine is doing is uh, that thing where you dribble the soccer ball. You know, uh, you're doing cool tricks with the soccer ball. You know, you're like balancing it on your head and you're like waving it across your arms. She's the Harlem Globetrotters of debate. (laughs) But it's not even, at least the Harlem Globetrotters are like taking, they're taking shots on the basket. Like she's not, she's not. Right? Yeah. Like, there are rules of debate, and she is ignoring all of them. And she is instead taking this opportunity to do, like, a personal soapbox about whatever. Now, I don't... When the topic is, like, resolved... Um, oh, heck. I, I, I don't um, even know. The Iran deal. <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm, like, nothing political that she could use. There has to be stuff that's, like, uh, resolved. Like, stainless steel appliances are the best appliances or something. You know, something where she can't turn it into... Some like, of us is... can't afford stainless steel appliances. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's hard to think of a topic that she wouldn't kind of, like, turn into a soapbox. But, like, it just struck me as this really weird... Because it turns out to be a major through line of this movie. Yeah. That this Jasmine character completely ignores the rules of debate and still does a lot of debate. And it turns out does pretty darn well in debate, which seems completely crazy it seems like there was a soccer tournament and the kid who is balancing the ball on his head ends up in the finals and you're like well how did that happen because the other team would have just been kicking the ball into his goal 400 times and so the score should be 400 to (laughs) zero like i found this to be just the most unconvincing weird like plot contrivance this was probably the thing that annoyed me most about this movie and it's not and the ironic thing is like i completely agree with jasmine me too (laughs) that debate the debate is stupid and it gains nobody anything and that if you want to have a real debate with real people talking at like a normal volume and speed then that actually is a life skill (laughs) that should be cultivated in people because it's a very hard thing to do to have a civil 
debate with somebody where you're actually engaging with the things they say and talking like a person, that's an honest to God skill that a lot of people have use for in their day-to-day lives. Yeah. As opposed to where facts are important, but also the emotional weight of things is also important, right? This, yeah. this debate structure is hella dumb, but it's also the, it's also the, the, the them's the rules, kiddo. Well, and that's why I think maybe like if the setup had been that, that Lona and Bennett have been winning because they do kind of speak faster or cram more stuff into like more facts into everything, but nobody else can keep up with them. And Nobody else is sort of, you're not forced to be at that level, like in terms of the rate of your speaking. And so most people are just like speaking at a normal pace. They're, they're defending their arguments where they can, but they, they don't ever sort of get enough. I don't know. The point system makes that a little funky, but like maybe Lona and Bennett are like really outscoring everybody because they can just cram so many points in. But that's not the only way to go through debate because we don't, we see everybody else kind of like speaking at that really, really fast pace. And that is, to Marissa's point, like that is accepted as the rule. And then you have somebody get up who is clearly flouting all of those rules. And why why I do agree with her in theory, and I also agree with, frankly, what she has to say, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're also not graded on the... You know, I guess you're graded on the facts of what you present, but you're you're not... I think you're graded on, like, your citations, right, or something. It's so hard for me to understand how they can, like, fact check you. Because you could just say whatever, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I don't understand how they fact check you in real time, but, like, oh, whatever. Yeah, but, like, you're right. The the, the way the scoring system is, is explained to us, there's no... She would have failed out of the first she wouldn't even made it to regional qualifiers right no yeah i mean maybe your harlem globetrotters analogy is a better one i mean i like my my mental image of someone basically playing hacky sack with a soccer ball (laughs) but like you know that sort of like she's like spinning the ball on her finger like a harlem globetrotter while the other team is like the utah jazz is like a normal team just running up the court and shooting baskets and she's like (laughs) (laughs) like it's insane to me and 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 the point of this plot thread is not like she possesses some greater truth that we should acknowledge even though she doesn't succeed in debate she does succeed in debate somehow right it's like it's such like a it's such a muddy unrealistic mess (laughs) mess <laughs> well it's like last week we talked about how the rules really mattered until they didn't matter anymore in the competition yeah. and i think that's this a similar through line in this like you have two characters who are your your point of view characters basically who are uh, rules obsessed right especially lona is like very very rules obsessed and she doesn't look at jasmine as like a quote-unquote threat but like you know maybe it would have been better if they had like actually struck up a friendship with jasmine Mm. instead of being pitted against each other right like maybe she flunks out of debate or not flunks but you know what i mean like maybe she washes out of the the debate cycle but there's some other version of this movie where she and bennett you know where lona doesn't exist and she and bennett kind of have like a right side wrong side of the tracks romantic relationship Ooh, i actually like that a lot better (laughs) and and he's this like rules obsessed 
you know, debater by the rules. And, and she is like this freestyle, you know, Harlem Globetrotter debater. And she has to teach him, which, you know, to some degree, that's not 100% a deviation from what kind of happens at the end of this movie. But it doesn't really work in this movie yeah. at all. And then you can also have within that, because they do come from such different socioeconomic backgrounds and such different like um, school experiences. Like you could have a lot of like learning moments between the two of them, because the thing is like Bennett and Lona, as they start to work together, which we'll get to like, as they start to work together, they don't have any conversations between the two of them about their, the differences in their socioeconomic status. It doesn't seem to, you know, Christina Hendricks, Lona's mom is uncomfortable with Bennett being at the house, but you know, the the two kids never seem to ever have a confrontation about like, you know, I have to work super hard because I need this scholarship and you've never had to work, you know, like you work really hard because, but it's not, it's not about the money for you. Like it's about prestige, right? Like I need mm-hmm. this, right? We don't get any of that stuff. We also, we don't get any like sort of discomfort when Lona goes over to Bennett's house for the first time and she feels out of place. Like we don't get any of that. So I think having... And they could have had that, right? Because they are very clearly in different socioeconomic brackets. But all of that economic discomfort is placed on the mothers. And you don't get that with the kids. And I think that would have been part of, like, Bennett's lesson about, you know, like, what what is your education if it doesn't sort of put you in contact with people who are different than you, right? Like, that's, I think, Mm. a big part of the college experience, right? But anyway... Yeah, I, I like your movie. I like your, your version of the movie way better, actually. <laughs> so we're still at regionals, and I just took this very long detour about Jasmine. It's okay. She's she's germane to the rest of the movie, so she's, I think it makes yeah, sense. Super germane. I was like, I was like watching this, like, how are they going to work her in? It's like, oh, in the dumbest way possible. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Bennett's mom is like an invited speaker at regionals, and she gets up and she starts talking about scholarship for kids to go to colleges and meanwhile Lona's mom is in the audience and here's where I have to admit like oh no I'm Lona's mom <laughs> <laughs> I liked Lona's I mom am the, I'm the, the 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 mouthy buxom redhead in the back cracking wise like oh no it me <laughs> you are quite buxom <laughs> so Christina Hendricks is in the back of the room just like just completely like uh, MST3King Bennett's mom's speech, and Lona's like, "Mom, stop!" And that's when Bennett's mom is like, "Oh, there's like a disturbance. Like, what's going on?" And then she and Lona's mom like really get into it, and then yeah. we find out that neither Lona nor Bennett placed at reg- like they didn't qualify at regionals. And they're both convinced that it's because their moms got into it, which is entirely possible. Well, and and Bennett tells the guidance counselor, Kathy, that it happened twice before when they were in middle school. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said, like, the judges conferred for a while before, like, after that happened. I was like, ooh. And Lona's mom is, like, really apologetic to Lona. And Lona's like, whatever. (laughs) I think she's just, like, resigned to it, which is exactly how my children are going to be at some point. (laughs) While they text me secretly. Auntie like, B, come uh, get us. <laughs> Mom did this thing. I'm like, yeah, try growing up with her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love you. So Kathy's like, well, you can still qualify for like state debate championships if you go as like a pair. Like there's like a two person team debating yes. and like debate with each other. And they're both like, no, 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 it could never work. And Bennett 
And then Bennett sort of is like, hmm. And then he reverse psychologies Lona into, he's like, he's like, you're just not good enough. She's like, I, I am good enough and I could do it. He's like, great, then we'll do it. And she's like, well, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We get another like debate scene, the team qualifiers where Lona and Bennett are not working well together. They're like sniping at each other and they're kind of like yelling over each other. And they see Jasmine again, and apparently Jasmine has also... I, I assume she didn't qualify in the this, in this single-player <laughs> debates. Yeah. Probably because she was Harlem Globetrottering it up the whole time. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so she now she's there with a partner who is Latina, yeah. and who... It seems to be that they basically do a call-and-response thing where... The Latina girl says something in Spanish and then Jasmine says it in English, you mm-hmm. know, kind of over top of her. That's like their shtick. It's like and a Lona, performance art piece. It very much is. And Lona is super dismissive of this because they are not doing debate as it is done. <laughs> I cannot emphasize this enough. This is not like a this is not like a choice to, you know. It's not like, oh, well, normally in volleyball, you know, you've got, uh, it's like a 3-1-3 setup. But, like, instead we're doing, like, a, what what also is, adds up to seven? Like, we're doing, like, a 2-3-2 two, two setup instead. Or it's not, like, just some quirky aberration that it might, it might, it's so crazy it just might work. It's like, no, they're just blatantly disregarding the rules of debate. Cool, whatever. It annoys me as much as it annoys Lona. But Bennett is a little bit more accepting of it. You know, he's like, you know, maybe they don't care if they win and, you know, they have a strategy and Lona's just like, ugh, they don't care about feelings. They care about facts and debate, which, you know, again, that's how the game is played, but it right. doesn't matter. So even though they're not working well together, they still qualify as a team because they're both still really excellent individual debaters and their moms don't show up this time. <laughs> well, and the, and if I could just jump into with something else about Jasmine is like, if if you want to make the argument that she's making and make it in a way that adheres to the debate standards, all of those, all, everything that she talks about, there are, so she only talks about anecdotes, like, you know, my parents have to work and my partner's parents also have to, like, my debate partner's parents also have to work. And and our debate coach works weekends at Sears. Right. And like, we don't have this and blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff is you could extrapolate that and find statistics that show that like a certain subset of kids, like, don't get the support they need through high school, the dropout rates, like in in communities of color or in communities that are economically disadvantaged, like or first can, generation college students. Exactly, like you can find all of that information, but she chooses to do this like spoken word kind of freestyle thing. Yeah, right. It's very it's very uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Like this ball. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> talking about she's all that and we also talked about it offline we did the two of this last week. i don't even like that movie that much i like that movie uh, it's not one of the best it's not one of the best team movies of that era i was like clueless is obviously the best i mean obviously yeah and you can explain this ball <laughs> oh <laughs> uh he's hanging out with laney who's the art school student we've talked about her too before because 
when we talked about To All the Boys I've Loved Before, we talked about how that protagonist was much more well-adjusted than Lainey was. <laughs> like, Lainey was, or, super weird. Lainey was very, very weird. Also had a dead mom, but very weird. And he is, like, a jock, and Lainey, he goes to Lainey, who's played by Rachel Lee Cook, he goes to her, like, performance art piece at some, like, really weird cafe, and then he somehow is, like, cajoled into getting up on stage and doing something for himself. And he does a hacky sack routine or a, a or soccer, soccer ball. ball. Is he a soccer player? I was going to say, you're he's right. Basically, he's... he's doing the thing that I'm accusing Jasmine of doing metaphorically. Yes, but he, he does this whole riff about how he can't let the soccer ball drop because... And it's supposed to... I think it's supposed to be like, I always have to keep it together and I can't let anything go, blah, blah, blah. Yes, obviously. But yeah, he can't let the ball drop. And that is like him sort of opening up for the first time to Lainey and like showing his sort of true weirdo underneath the the <laughs> jock. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's what this is. But it also seems oddly prepared, right? That That sort of call and response thing seems oddly prepared. Oh, they definitely rehearsed. And I don't know how they handle because... It seems like there's an opening statement and then you listen to what the other person says and then you do a rebuttal. Yeah, like if I were rebutting this, I'd be like, I don't know what to say to this. Yeah. Well, I meant more along the lines of like, how, do, how does Jasmine and her partner who doesn't get a name? Well, I guess the partner does get a name. I just don't remember it. So um, I wrote it down. How, how do Jasmine and her partner rebut? Dana. Dana, thank you. How do Jasmine and Dana rebut? If someone gets up there and goes, the cost of a college education, Dana, blah, do they get up there and do they just ignore that for rebuttal? I, I'm guessing they do. It sounds like it. Which, again, like, how do they get any points ever? Ugh, whatever. Anyway, so Lona and Bennett have qualified as a team. That's the end of that. So <laughs> Lona and Bennett both individually go to talk to Kathy. D- don't get too attached to Kathy in this scene. Man! <laughs> And, you know, they're both, like, stressing out about not getting into their schools of choice. And she just sort of, like, points to all the stuff on her walls from all of her former students who've sent her all kinds of stuff. And it's just like, whatever happens, like, you're going to go and have a life. So, like, don't, you know, don't freak out. Okay? And they go home. They wait for their early decision. Decision. They're both, she you says, see them... have fun. That comes yeah. back. So that's... Yeah, 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 yeah. So you see them both with their respective mothers, although it would be funny if they had switched mothers, with their respective mothers sitting in front of their laptops, like waiting for the, you know, their admission site. It's like man, six... I was nervous. Did this make you nervous? I was sitting there going, man, I had to wait for the mail. <laughs> I too had to wait for the mail. Get those nice big fat envelopes. Or if you're me, the little skinny envelopes. Oh, where did you get rejected from? Uh, I just asked mom on, when I talked to mom last time, I was like, where did Brianna even, because we had been talking about all this college. I was like, where did Bri- even, Brianna even apply to college? And mom's like, oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, <laughs> I had a word with her about that. She and dad made me apply to 10 schools, which was way too many schools. And uh, I got rejected from William and Mary. Of course. Who gets into William and Mary unless you live in Virginia? And I got, I got dad really wanted me to apply to UNC Chapel Hill. So I did it to make him happy. And I got again, who gets into UNC Chapel Hill unless they live in North Carolina. I mean, I knew I wasn't getting in, but you know, it's like, it's your 50 bucks, dad. Okay. (laughs) Well, Marissa and I had very, again, we're going to talk a lot about college admissions. (laughs) We had very different college admissions experiences because Marissa is maybe the smartest person in the earth. 
on the earth. So no, um, not even close. Definitely but. smartest, uh, smartest of the siblings, and there's two of us. So uh, <laughs> fart noise and disbelief. <laughs> um, but you know, I think mom and dad were less worried about you getting into places that you wanted because you you performed very very well academically but there but also my experience like taught mom some hard truths that she didn't know at the time mm, that's like, also true what she told me later like so i applied to four schools and i got into all four but my financial aid packages were like wildly different and so i ended up going to the place that gave me a scholarship but what mom told me later was like that she said like so I'm just going to quote our mom basically you know paraphrase like you know I thought that you were such a good candidate that you know anywhere would want to have you and so they would just make it happen financially and it was like a really rude awakening for you to get these acceptances from schools you really wanted to go to and see that they had given you nothing like which is kind of weird like our parents are white collar but they were not making bank when we were in high school yeah like by any stretch of the imagination we were very firmly middle class and could absolutely not afford you know full freight college tuition at a private university like it just was completely impossible yeah and so like and i i think our mom like went to all these college info seminars or whatever and heard them say we have you know we have scholarships basically i don't they don't call it scholarships what do they call it merit aid we have merit aid for like really talented students and she assumed that i would be like be awarded and i was at the school that i ended up going to brandeis uh go judges we rule that you suck (laughs) i remember that Uh, it's not a real it's not a real thing i made that up but (laughs) brandeis is great but i'm just saying like Mom believed that merit aid would be made available in a way that it wasn't at the other schools that I applied to and got into. So I think by the time you were, your college admission stuff was rolling around, she was like way more like wary of the process and like aware that merit aid is really, really hard to come by. And therefore she wanted, she probably wanted you to diversify out, you know, your school list so that you'd be more likely to get, you know, tuition help. Uh, Yeah, I think it's, Partially that and partially what I said. <laughs> what were we even? Who knows? Where were we even? So, well, there, there, we were at them sitting in front of their computers, like waiting oh, for the admission yes. session. And I was like, we had to wait for the envelopes in the mail. And you that's said when we started thick reminiscing. Envelopes. You said thick envelopes. And I said, mine all, weren't all. So where did you get rejected from? Just I... UNC and William and Mary? Yeah. Then you got into eight schools. Come on, man. Well, yeah, that's. Yeah, I did that. Wait, <laughs> was there anywhere else? God, I don't even remember everywhere I applied. A lot of schools in Boston. If, if any if any youngs are listening to this, I hope that they, like, appreciate. Do you remember when when you went on that campus tour of Boston University and Dad asked the tour guide where a young man would hang his jacket in that his was, dorm room? That was at University of Maryland, but yes, no, I do remember okay. that, yeah. <laughs> Our dad is old and weird. <laughs> But great. But great. Yeah. I mean, anyway, they both don't get into these schools. Yeah. I mean, and this was actually like, you talked at the very beginning about this, like, being like four sevenths of a great movie. I was yeah. like, oh, this is interesting. And like, I mean, I could kind of see it coming when Kathy's like, oh, everybody gets in where they're supposed to. Right. Ha ha. But I was like, this is interesting. And it kind of like 
calls a lot of things into question and like maybe we'll get to see a different side of these characters but as we'll get to towards the end like this sort of ball is dropped or or picked back up in a way that i thought was like very strange and negated a lot of the progress that the movie had made thus far Mm. so they're both super depressed Lona's mom is just like, it's okay, honey, you know, I'm so proud of you. But Bennett's mom, like, goes postal and calls Yale and is like, did you remember that I gave you 100,000? And he, like, hangs up the phone. He, like, presses the hang up button and she's like, what? And he's like, don't do this. Like, you are, just stop. Yeah. And they have this, like, huge knockdown drag out fight about how, you know, he's like, are you saying that, you know, like, I can only go to Yale? And she's just like, your future won't be as bright if you go somewhere else. And he's like, you're a hypocrite. You give kids scholarships to go to state schools. Why is that okay? And she's like, because they have nothing. And this is just like a way to pull them out up out of that. But, you know, it's obvious. We give them we give them something to hang on to. That's what she's right. Right. Which I was like, that's in our Eaton recording and our cursed recording. Like I mentioned this, like, Oh, that's a really, like, we have a lot of, as you pointed out, like, a lot of kind of muddled themes. Like, that's a really interesting theme, right? Like, you have a parent who, she says in this argument, I, Yale was the thing that, I I came from nothing, and Yale opened all these doors for me, and so, like, I am just making sure that you have the same doors open to you, right? And as Marissa mentioned before, like, Bennett's adopted, and, like, I think there's a really interesting, like, son mother dynamic there to be like i don't want you to have to go through the same things i went through but i like the cards are stacked against you in these certain ways like and so i'm just i'm trying to like this is what i've worked so hard for right all my life is to make sure that my kid had a a better chance than i did and i think that's really relatable but it just comes out in a way that is kind of ugly right she she's like judgmental of other people's prospects and those types of things but we don't really get that we don't really get you know resolution we don't get resolution on that we also don't get that's not the real point right the real point is just that she's i guess you know they have this fight and instead again because of the way the movie resolves there's no resolution to this argument right she said he says Mm. you're a hypocrite and you know like my my accomplishments or or my worth means nothing to you if i don't go to a go to yale right if i don't go to a i think that's code for also like a top tier school right well but she's a yale alumna like right yale specifically matters to her it it seems completely unbelievable to me that he would not get in me too between like he's a legacy with perfect everything we see like their sats and they're like in yeah. the when they're mailing their stuff and we see their sats their their gpa he has a perfect academic record he's the son of an alumna and he has a, a recommendation letter from barack obama like and he doesn't know... need the financial aid clearly because his mom yes. just gave them a hundred thousand dollars right that is certainly a factor right and that was the thing, like when they're when they're doing their their applications, Lona is like very very concerned about her financial aid, all of her financial aid paperwork being correct, right? And so like you know it, it's that's another sort of way that you can imagine like you know Bennett's mom has 
is sort of is like being classist right like and and just saying like well those kids they don't have anything so state school's good enough because they don't have anything right and so she's mm. kind of also saying that about lona yeah 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 but that again doesn't really resolve in the way that i thought it should have but we'll get there so they're both like heartbroken and they both show up at kathy's office on monday morning and then the principal comes and is like, oh, sorry, Kathy died. And they're like, what? And I was what? like, what? <laughs> yeah, this movie took a turn. <laughs> it definitely took a turn. I was like, y'all, I can't I, handle this. I, I, so here, here's like my, I, I would say my main problem with this movie is that it, like, it needs to decide if it's the movie about the kids who applied themselves too hard in high school and now need to cut loose and probably end up falling for each other. And Kathy's death is the thing that makes them sit up and say, you know, we have to live for today. We never know. We're never guaranteed any time. Yeah. Uh, Let's make her proud. Let's be happy. Is it that movie or is it the movie about the debaters who learn that debate is not a good thing? (laughs) You know? Two completely different plot arcs and they don't merge particularly well because like their journey of self-discovery of like, you know, we should be more like social, you know, Bennett at some point, we'll get to it. Yeah. Talks about how like they've like wasted their entire high school experience in a sense because they haven't done any of like social things. Yeah. And that's a completely different issue from like debate is a... Debate is a luxury that poor people can't afford. Like debate, the the activity is like a luxury yeah. that poor people can't afford, and 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 poor schools do badly in it. And also, it's a dumb thing because people are just trying to score points instead of actually making their points understood by a broad audience. Like these are two, like I don't, they're not irreconcilable, but they're just completely like orthogonal <laughs> points <laughs> to each other. And it's like, well, what is what is the movie trying to say? Like, what's the message of this movie? And like, I don't know. Yeah, and I think there's. I mean, well, I also want to kind of make a point about like how their their genuine grief is is pretty glossed mm. over, which I'm, you know, we'll we'll talk about it. But it's like, I mean, it, we're there. She's dead. Yeah, we're yeah. We're now yeah. at the funeral or yeah. the wake or whatever. So, so go ahead and, and say, yeah. shoot your shot. Yeah. So there are a couple of things that I want to bring up here. The first is what I had mentioned before about having a point about that sort of like the hatred that's gone back between them for a really long time. We find out that Lona's in this scene at the wake at Kathy's house. We find out that Lona's father died when she was six years old and Bennett was at the funeral. And in my head, I was like, oh, wouldn't it have been interesting if they used to be friends and Mm. something went awry later and so then you have this they th- you have this previous relationship to fall back on to say we didn't always hate each other there were things we liked about each other i still see those things in you now but they're covered by all of these other uh anxieties or pressure that has been added along the way right that is we're gonna bring up a, i'm gonna bring up another teen movie from the late 90s which is drive me crazy starring adrian grenier uh, and melissa joan hart and that is a movie where two high school, se- it's always high school seniors, two high school seniors <laughs> who are neighbors used to be very good friends when they were little, but Adrian Grenier's mom died of cancer 
and Adrian Grenier started acting out in school because he couldn't process his grief. He was he was pretty young. He was like in middle school. And so she didn't know how to deal with that and she stopped hanging out with him and he's hated her ever since and she's kind of fallen in with the popular crowd, right? Mm. And this movie is about them reconciling, but they have a conversation about that. She says, like, when your mom got sick and you started acting out in school, I didn't know how to handle it and I was really uncomfortable and I'm sorry about that, right? They have a conversation about it. And they kind of throughout the movie are like, oh, we used to get along. We used to like each other. And I was like, you know, what would have been the reason for Bennett as a six-year-old to go to this funeral? I guess the moms were acquainted enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's true. But I was like... Or if they were in the same elementary school class, it probably would have been like... So, like, this is terrible, but my my seven-year-old, one of the kids in his class, either from kindergarten, I think actually from first grade, I'm not sure... One of his classmates, his father just died. Mm. And we did all get informed of that. Yeah. And I think under non-pandemic times, it would have been a situation where the children were allowed, perhaps if they wanted to, to, to go to a funeral. I, I think yeah. it's pretty normal if they were like friends, not friends necessarily, but if they were in the same class at school. Yeah. It was potentially a thing. Yeah. I mean, that's possible too. But just having that glimpse of like, oh, I remember at your dad's funeral, X, Y, and Z. I was like, oh, but that's never explored past that one conversation. Like, we have known each other for a long time, and there was that bit of tenderness when we were young, and then, like, what happened, right? That's never explored. And the other thing that I think I want to talk about more in a little bit is, like, when they get back to school, uh, or I can just, you know, talk about it now, and we'll point it out when it comes. Like, when they get back to school and they decide, like, we're not going to do the state championships. You know, their debate coach really comes down on them and is like, you know, you're going to let... Quitters! You're quitters, and just because you didn't get into the school that you wanted to get into, now you're giving up. And I've, again, in, in the terms of, like, what kind of movie is this and what kind of tone are you setting, my immediate reaction is, like, this isn't about the school that they didn't get into. This is, they are grieving someone in the school who they lost very suddenly, who they relied on. Yeah, nobody ever brings Kathy up, Yeah, right? The yeah. rest of the movie, she just... It really it really is like a Franken movie they got stitched together of yeah. like, over here is like their personal growth journey and Kathy's death and a budding romance. And over there is like debate and it just gets smashed together in the most haphazard way. Yeah. I mean, and I think like it stuck out to me because like I am somebody who I think I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but like I lost someone very close to me in high school. It wasn't like a teacher, but I lost someone very close to me in high school. And that for sure affected my, my whole high school experience for the rest. I was a senior when it happened. So that for sure impacted the way that I, you know, like, there were classes I did not go to for a while. There were, you know, because I just needed to sit somewhere. There were, it affected, I think, probably my grades. It affected uh, my attitude about certain activities or things. You why know. you didn't get into UNC Chapel That's why I didn't get into <laughs> UNC Chapel Hill. And it was happening around the time of it happened in December, so uh, it happened around the time that we were applying to schools. So that was another, I think you're right, like, to me, that stuck out like a sore thumb. Like, no one is acknowledging that these two kids 
relied on this guidance counselor quite a bit. And and from a screenwriting perspective, the screenwriter has just shot himself in the foot because Lona has never spoken to anyone else yes. about her inner feelings. And yes. now for the rest of the movie, she will never speak to anybody about her inner feelings. When there is arguably... an extremely brief conversation with Bennett that it's hard to know if she's even being honest during. Yeah. And that is it. Yeah. And we never, from that point forward, we never know what is happening in Lona's heart in any way, shape, or form. When arguably this is the time when she needs somebody the most, right? I mean, and I would have even, you know, for let's say Kathy's still going to die, right? Which I don't... Helen Hunt is like, my contract allows me to do three scenes. I was going to say, like, they had Helen Hunt in for, like, three days. Um, but, you know, let's say Kathy still passes away. But, like, maybe you have Lona, like, talking to Kathy... Like, going outside, looking up at the night sky, and, like, talking to Kathy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or maybe you have her, you know... Go to her candy jar office. Exactly. And just talk to an empty chair. Yes. Talk to her, you know, go through her candy, you know, bring candy to her grave site and, and talk to the grave, like... That's that's not... And it could show her maturing as a person, because if you do this in two or three scenes... The first time she's just talking to Kathy's grave or talking to the empty chair and expressing whatever is going through her head and just being like, oh, I wish you were here. I don't know what to do. And then by the second or third scene, you have her being like, if you were here, I know you would say, buh ba da ba da ba da Like showing us the audience that Lona has grown and matured emotionally. And, yeah. and she doesn't, it's not that she doesn't need, it's not that she doesn't miss Kathy, but that she doesn't absolutely need Kathy to like process her feelings anymore because she's matured to that point. And she's internalized what Kathy has told her, right? Which is Right. And and then maybe by the third time she comes in and and gives Kathy good news, right? Like news that mm. she wouldn't have considered good at the time when Kathy was alive, but hey, I just want you to know I got into this, right? Like I'm Duke. It's, it's not it's <laughs> not where the Harvard of the South it's not, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not where, it's not where I originally thought I was going to go, but I'm taking your advice and I'm going to have fun. And I want you to know that like, you know, I'm really like, I'm ready, right? We don't get any of that. And I think even, you know, either you have to have Kathy stay alive or <laughs> if you're going to have that. To, to your point earlier, Marissa, like, if you're going to have that be the emotional fulcrum on which they pivot, you are, you have to have some kind replacement. of... Replacement. Yeah, replacement. And that could just be talking to, talking to dead Kathy, right? Talking to the memory of somebody. Kathy, I'm lost, I said. <laughs> Though I knew, Though I she, knew was she was sleeping. dead. <laughs> my, I laughed so hard that my my uh, headphones just fell off my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so the way they process grief is like, they don't. And nope. that really stuck out to me. So we're now after the wake. They, they disappeared. Bennett and Lona disappeared together. And they get some fast food. And then they have this conversation that is so, it's like halfway there. It's kind of frustrating. Bennett is the one who's like actually opening up and sort of being like, you know, have you ever been to a party? Have you ever been to a football game? Did we really even experience high school? Are we going to get to college and are we just going to just do this whole thing all over again? Yeah. 
which I think for people who are angling to go to professional school, angling to go to law school or whatever, like that is something that sort of happens, you know, like they do kind of spend all college being crazy and studying and, and not really being social, which is just crazy to me Yeah, because you're paying so much money <laughs> to not have a good time. But so he's like really opening up and she's just like, like high school is studying, whatever. Like, and we're just going to go, and we're going to do things, whatever. Ugh. Like, yeah, you don't know like, me. Yeah. Cause he's like, do you have any friends? And she's like, shut up. You don't know me. He's like, okay, sorry. Anyway. So, uh, we do get a scene in here with Lona and Christina Hendricks where there's a little bit of a backstory on the feud, how the two moms went to high school together and... Lona's mom actually beat Bennett's mom for class president because it's like, see, the cheerleader beat the bookworm, which was pretty funny. And then how Bennett's mom like just skyrocketed to success and, you know, is now a state senator and how, you know, she adopted Bennett and she does it all by herself and she does a really good job. And meanwhile, Christina Hendricks, of course, never intended to be a single mom. You know, she was married until her husband died, you know, when her child was six. And so, you know, I think she feels like I didn't choose to be a single mom and here I am not doing it very well. And Bennett's mom chose to be a single mom and she's like killing it and... You know, obviously that makes her feel insecure about her own parenting. And I totally get that. So you're, this is the scene you alluded to where Bennett and Lona are like, oh, we're not going to compete, even though we qualified for the team, whatever. We're not going to compete. And their advisor, like, yells at him, yeah. <laughs> yells at them and is like, no, you go, go for it. And they're like, okay, fine. And then they, <laughs> then there's like this one nice montage of them, like, growing together. Mm-hmm. Like, a genuinely sweet studying at his house, studying at her house. There's a really funny thing where they're studying at her house and Christina Hendricks is like, oh my God, you know, Bennett's here. And it has to like quickly like clean up the dining room. And I was, and there's like a bra hanging over chair. I was like, oh, this is, this is my, I am Christina Hendricks. Um, But our mom, this is so much information about our parents this episode. (laughs) Our mom used to leave bras everywhere around the house. Every... Right, because mom is of the school that when you get home from work, the immediate thing you do is free your tatas, <laughs> which, like, I am not in that school. These girls stay caged until bedtime. But mom mom would just, like, there would be bras on the coffee table, there were bras on the <laughs> stairs. I don't even, the hilarious thing is, like, I couldn't have even told you that because they just blended into the scenery for me. <laughs> I think I I only think I remember it because I had more like boy space friends. Like I had just dude. Oh yeah, friends I had zero boy come space over. friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. had just dude friends who would come over. So mom would be like grabbing her bras like <laughs> off off of the banister, off of like where the towel rack was, like the stairs, like my room somehow, like just. <laughs> Mom is really good at taking over our closets. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I laughed at that. I was like, oh, that's very true to life. <laughs> so there's this really nice montage of Bennett and Lona, like, and Christina Hendricks apparently makes really good chocolate chip cookies, and Bennett loves them, and, and Lona brings them to him, and they're, and they're like, researching together, and they, like, are making, you know, this is in direct opposition to an earlier montage where they don't get along, and they can't, like, work together. Now they're working together really well, and they're, like, putting all these index cards up on a board together and they're sitting under a tree and researching together and it's like genuinely very sweet like nerd love stuff i was like okay 
the movie took way too long to because I was like, this is a rom-com, right? <laughs> like the movie took way too long to get here, but finally we're here. One night they're studying super late and they're cleaning up and they kind of touch hands and then they have the most chaste kiss I've ever oh, seen so in a awkward. teen rom-com. <laughs> They've obviously both never kissed anybody before. And it's very like, mwah, mwah, mwah. Okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what if you want to say anything and, else about that. Uh, this is once again, Bennett tries to reach out, not physically, but tries to like emotionally connect with her in that moment to be like, hey, uh, how are you feeling? And she's just like, it's late. Like, yeah, she shuts down. You gotta go. And he's like, okay. And then they have this, we get this like sort of, they don't talk for a little while, but they're like still working on the assignment together. And then, yeah, like it, it's very much, he's making the overtures to try and like connect with her emotionally. And she's just like very walled off. Right. We get this scene where Bennett's mom goes to the coffee shop where Lona's mom works. And she's like, my son really loves your chocolate chip cookies. Can you give me the recipe? And Christina Hendricks is like, okay. And she like softens a little bit. She gives her the recipe. It seems like there's sort of a detente between them, which is good. Yeah. Even though we get a Romeo and Juliet late reference later in the movie. But it's like oh, too late. Yeah. It's too late for it to be a Romeo and Juliet situation because their moms have now made up. But whatever. Um, Man, so Bennett goes to even clock that. Yeah, Bennett goes to Lona's house to try to talk to her about it, and this is where I was like, I don't, I don't know what Lona is thinking or feeling at all. Like this, this character is opaque to me. You know, he's like, can we talk about what happened? And she's like, I'm not good at being with you. I'm good at hating you. And he's like, I disagree. And she's like, of course, that's what we do best. We disagree. And it's like, okay, but like. What are you feeling right now? Like, I'm just, I'm gesticulating wildly. Like, what are you feeling? Like, did you get butterflies in your stomach when you guys kiss? Or did you sort of feel like, ugh? Like, (laughs) that didn't, that didn't feel like anything at all. Like, (laughs) or are you super into him, but also scared of what your mom will think? Because Christina Hendricks is vocally, you know, really not okay with Bennett's mom and has just like, been down on her a ton or are you just like i just have to focus on getting into college and i can't let myself be distracted by a boy or like what what is your motivation here girl like what yeah and and by that time in the movie they are no longer adversarial so it feels weird for her to say like well that's what we do best like we disagree with one another like by this point in the movie you've made the decision to work together and so to say that what you do best is... You're on the same side. That's what it means to be on a team. <laughs> exactly. Like, you're on the same side. I don't think that that's... I mean, I, th- I truly, I think that's a screenwriter line that that person was very proud of when they wrote it. Like, haha, this is a debate <laughs> team. This is a debate opposition. and Or they started that way. And so I'm going to, you know, set up this whole line for her. But Or is it like, if we get into a thing and then we break up, then we're not... Although, but like... Isn't the championship, like, the next day? Yeah, it is. So then who (laughs) cares? Yeah, who cares? You know, or Bennett has a line at the beginning when he's talking to Kathy, and she's like, you should date. You should, like, kiss some girls, whatever. And Bennett's like, what's the point of dating in high school? You only go to separate colleges, and then you never see each other again. So I thought for sure that if this is a romantic comedy about these two students... That they would end up going to the same college. Oh, that's interesting. 
Because his whole point is, I don't want to put emotional energy into a relationship that's just going to fizzle out when we go to separate colleges. And that's his, I mean, and I would even say, like, maybe that's a conversation that they have. Like, look, you are, you know, you're not going to Yale, right? He's not going to Yale, but like, we're probably going to different schools. Maybe this isn't worth it anyway, but like, they feel drawn towards each other. They don't know how to deal with that. You know, but they never, you're right. Like, she's very opaque. He's trying to reach out to her. But in that moment, like, he never even, they never say out loud to each other, I like you. No. That never (laughs) happens. So that's really hard. Like, they never have a moment that's like, I really like you, but blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, I know that there are all these obstacles in our way, but I like you, so I'm willing to try. We never get either one of those. No, we just get this weird, uh, vague statement from Lona about how she's good at hating him. And that's kind of that. So next day's championships, they uh, are in the debate and they they get all the way up to the final round, which is on like the big stage in front of everybody. It's like the Georgia State Debate Championships. This is the state championship. I cannot emphasize this enough. We are at whatever the state championships of basketball. (laughs) Somehow, the last two teams standing are the 76ers. (laughs) We're from Philadelphia. I was waiting for that reference. Yeah. The 76ers and the Harlem Globetrotters. Because what we have on the final stage is Lona and Bennett and then Jasmine and Dana. Somehow, Jasmine and Dana with their, like... Somehow, the Harlem Globetrotters are on the final debate stage. And the two girls get up and they do their spoken word piece about how this is all stupid and who wants to even be at a debate championship on a Saturday and our debate coach works weekends at Sears and we know somebody who went and got a degree in European history and now they also work at Sears. Maybe don't get your degree in European history. <laughs> I mean, what what they say that I fundamentally don't agree with is like if college isn't for getting a career then it's no good. And it's like, well, that's actually not, you know, that's not what a liberal arts education is supposed to be. And I realize that saying that in the year of our Lord 2020 is sort of heretical and antiquated, but like a liberal arts education was not supposed to be. And now like, let me funnel you into this job. That's what like a technical education is. A liberal arts education is just supposed to be, it's kind of like finishing school. You know what I mean? It's just a, it's just a way of making you more, uh, mature and knowledgeable and uh, able to do critical thinking and well-versed and being exposed. Like, it's not, like, it's not a guarantee of a kind of job. That's not how liberal arts works. Right. And a lot, like, I went to, I went to a professional practice. Like, I, I went through a professional practice. I super degree. did not. <laughs> my, my, yeah, my major was... I mean, but look, that doesn't guarantee you anything, right? Mm. As 2020 has taught us. And also 2010 taught us when I graduated because we were in the middle of the recession. It's so, I mean, I, I agree. I sort of agree that like there are college. I think the point probably that's better to make is like, you know, the way that we look at college now is like a prerequisite for right. a certain type of job. And is that really economically feasible for, 
for a certain demographic of people and how do we kind of like reimagine the workforce so that you're not and reimagine like higher education so that it isn't just a funnel like you are enjoying the classes and you are getting a more well-rounded education so like you know for example the last full-time job i had was like working on educational products to like teach high school and college students about foreign policy because right now you can graduate from college without ever having to take yes. a history class a, a, I, I, a well i guess i took class, one poli sci so class but i never took a history class in college I never took a history class. I never took a poli-sci class. You know, taking a class on, like, world religions, you don't have to take. You don't have to take, um, you know, basically anything that has to do with the world that you graduate into, You that's not required learning, but you live that when you graduate, right? Understanding the economy you're graduating into, understanding the politics of the world and, and you know, how the government works and all those sorts of things, like... That's all super relevant to your life as an adult and helps you become like a more informed citizen. So I think there is something to say for the fact that like, you know, we need to like reform college education and like reform the way we look at the workforce. But that's not the point that they seem to I mean, be they're, making. I mean, they're, they're making an appeal to... I don't even know what it's getting late and I'm getting tired and I'm just like, I don't remember what they said. They were just, they did a spoken word piece about how every, how debate is stupid. And this question specifically well, is and discriminatory and whatever. Right. You're looking at the wrong question. Like we should be looking at, is the college admissions process even worth it or is it completely so, broken? Yeah. Okay. They do their spiel and then they sit down and then I don't know why there's two of them, but then Lona gets up alone. That seems weird. I guess she's rebutting. And she gets up and she starts doing the mile a minute, like the two of them didn't even engage with the rules of debate. And I don't know how I'm supposed to rebut, you know, like, but like at speed and with like the language of debate. And then she sort of stumbles over and then she stops and then she pauses for what feels like an hour. (laughs) She pauses for a very long time. And then she finally sort of is like, she, she, she looks down at the repaired remarks and she sees that Bennett has doodled. Uh, a picture of Kathy saying, have fun. Which wouldn't that have been better if that was a note that Kathy had written to her? Oh, a lot of things would have been better. Yeah. So so then Lona completely like drops what she was going to say and is like, maybe facts over feelings isn't the right thing. And like, what? And I'm scared. And what? And I, and I got rejected from my top choice school, which I was like, oh, okay. And like, what if I never learned to connect with anyone? And then Bennett stands up and is like, how many of you understood the points that Lone and I have been making all day? And like a third of the audience raises their hand. He's like, how many of you understand what Jasmine and Dana have been saying? And everybody raises their hand. And he's like, well, maybe that's what we should be doing instead or whatever. And then their moms clap. And then it's like, that's time. And I was like, what? (laughs) This is what? Yeah. This is like the Harlem Globetrotters are going to do, 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 do. And then the 76ers are like, you know what? The audience likes that chicanery better than a game of basketball so we are also we're not as good at it but we're also gonna try to spin the ball on our finger and whistle (laughs) okay that's time everybody and then of course and you know when lona sits down bennett holds her hand for a minute and i was like oh is this like a thing and it's just like they kind of limply hold hands for a moment and then they stop and i was like okay okay i don't know what that was (sighs) And then, of course, Jasmine and Dana win because they, like, 
rehearsed something to say, whereas Lona was just, and Bennett were just ad-libbing. Yeah. So great. They They, win a competition that they did not follow the rules for. (laughs) Right, again, the Harlem Globetrotters have won the final four. Like, (laughs) or whatever. It's not the NCAA, like, it's not the NBA, whatever. I don't care. The Harlem Globetrotters have won the basketball trophy. (laughs) They... Have not they have broken every rule and they have won the basketball trophy and and you're just sitting there going I, I thought I was here to watch basketball I guess I was here to watch antics that's for the Washington Generals sure are bad <laughs> so, so then we get like a look at next semester and the debate club suddenly has a lot more members for for no reason that I can discern probably because Bennett and what's her face dropped out and they were always bickering with each other and now. They make room for people who aren't going to bicker with each other all the time. Then we see Lona getting ready for prom and her mom's all excited and happy. And she's, for some reason that we don't understand yet, she's boxing up all of her Harvard stuff. And she's erased. Look, prom's in like April. Like there's still school, but she's like erased all her schedule down from her wall. Like, okay. So she packs up this box of Harvard stuff. She goes down and then we see Bennett getting ready for prom as well. And the mom being like, take lots of pictures or whatever. Bennett drives to Lona's house to pick her up and then they swap boxes of college stuff because apparently she's going to be going to Yale and he's going to be going to Harvard. Girl. And then they go to the movies instead of going to prom. They didn't actually learn anything. (laughs) Oh my God. You're right. You're right. You're right. (laughs) You're so right. They go to the movies together and they eat a bunch of candy in honor of their dead guidance counselor. And then um, you get, like, a bookend, because at the beginning, you have, like, the the voiceover. The only voiceover is in, in the whole movie is Lone at the beginning talking about how smug Bennett is, how much she hates him. And at the very end, you get a voiceover for her saying, you know, he looks so smug and also she kind of likes him or whatever. And that's the movie. Y'all, I gotta talk about the fact that they're, they just swapped colleges. We, <laughs> the... They learned no lessons and nothing. You're, and nothing you're, changed. Nothing yeah. changed. And you're so correct. I mean, and this is where that, like, this whole ending sequence is where it falls off for me. Because I was like, oh, wouldn't it have been interesting if, like, you know, at the... They'd be- actually gone to prom? <laughs> A, if they... I didn't even think about prom. But, yeah, if they had actually gone to prom and, like, maybe at prom... There's a little memorial to Kathy. Okay, sure. So that's one thing that I just thought of. But also, like, the whole, like, oh, you're going to Harvard and you're going to Yale, so let's swap all of our stuff, completely takes the teeth out of Bennett's argument with his mom about halfway through, where she says, like, you know, like... Not as bright a future. Not as bright a future if you're not going to Yale, and those kids have nothing, and blah, 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 like completely takes the teeth out of the his, that argument because he says to her, like, you know, I can still have a bright future if I go somewhere else. Like, I can still have a future if I go somewhere else. Like, I'll it'll be okay. And she's like, no, 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 no. But, like, Harvard and Yale are like, come on. They're not... Interchangeable. They're interchangeable, yeah. right? Like, they're, they may not be the same for, like, an alumnus, like like his mom, but they're, I think, to the outside world, it's not, like, Harvard and, like, you know, where did Jason Mendoza go to school? Like, uh... Florida State? Oh. No, I'm just, His high... Jacksonville Community yeah, College? Yeah, like, it's not Jacksonville Community College, right? And the other thing I was thinking was, like, wouldn't it have been interesting if, like, Lona ends up going to community college because when they're filling out her 
her uh, financial aid forms, she's like, oh my God, is this prepared correctly? And her mom's like, well, if it's not, then you're going to community college in the fall. And she's like, oh my God, mom, don't even joke about that. But it's like, wouldn't that have been interesting character growth to be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go to community college or I'm going to go to the state school that like puts less, well, less. I don't know if that's fair to her as a character. Like, it seems like her punishment for being poor. No, I don't like, I don't like that. But I I certainly would be more interested in an ending where they both go to Columbia (laughs) or both go to like Georgia Tech or... Or, uh... You don't have to go to community college. It's not... She doesn't have to wear sackcloth and and rub herself in ashes because she's poor, right? But, like, the fact that they just swap going to Yale and Harvard is just, like, ay, gavolt. Yeah, I mean, truly, like, it's... I mean, and I didn't mean she has to go to community college because she's poor, but just she thinks that that's the worst thing that could happen, right? Like, because that's how she reacts when her mom is like, well, if not, you're going to community college. She's like, oh my god, mom, like, how could you say that? And, like, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. Like, if you didn't get into where it's you wanted to go. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's, come on. I mean, it, it's a it's a wildly different experience sure. to going to a residential four-year school. Yeah, that's true. I, I talked last week that I have been a student at community college, and I would be the last person to look down my nose at community college, but... For an extremely high-achieving kid at a prep school, it just doesn't make any sense yeah. as a as a denouement. But I think you're right. Georgia Tech or, like, gosh, like, I don't know a ton of southern schools, but, like... And William & Mary is one of them, certainly. William & Mary, University of Virginia, like, you know, take your pick of schools that, yeah, I mean, I, I think you could, you could have had them, like, learn some type of lesson, which is that, like, you know, we're not just swapping one Ivy League for the other and... That makes up for our disappointment. And then the last thing I'll say is what I said before, which is they could have gone to the same school. And that's the whole point that he didn't want to get into a relationship with somebody that he was just going to have to say goodbye to in three months. Well, now you're going to the same school and you kind of have to like confront that a little bit. I I just, I wanted, uh, I wanted more out of their relationship. You know, it, it ends on a very tepid note. I don't think they had... It's funny, like, I just, they may not ha- just have had, like, romantic chemistry, like, but then again, it's the writing. Yeah, oh, I think it's absolutely the writing. It could be the direction, too, but, I, you know, like, I think they could have, they could have convincingly played, you know, young love, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. If they had been given the material to work with, but you just get this very, like, you get these, like, three nothing smooches. To call them smooches, even, is overstating what they are. They're, They're pecs. They, like, bump lips together. <laughs> yeah. And, and and you get, like, a brief hand squeeze, an unreturned hand squeeze. Yeah, she, like, she just lets that lie, and then he yes. kind of takes his hand away. Yeah. Oh, so disappointing. And then you have this, like, they go, they quote-unquote go to prom together, which means they sit next to each other at the movie theater. They're not, like, holding hands at the movie theater, even. They're not making out at the movie. Like, friggin' be a teenager and make out at the movie theater. My great sadness in life (laughs) is that since my first kiss was when I was 20, I could never be a teenager making out at the movie theater. Like, live the life that I couldn't live, children. I lived it. It was fun. That's what I'm saying. Then again, you got into all the schools you applied to, and I did not. Maybe if I had quit making out of the movie theater, I would have gotten into UNC Chapel Hill. <laughs> I just like, 
I, this is such a... It has so many pieces in it that I, like... I understand these, like, high-achieving kids and, like, how much they push themselves. And it's so interesting that they're, like, in this little bubble together that they're, like, you know, the, the real high performers. And I found the relationship with the guidance counselor really interesting. And I, and I, in a way, I found the debate thread interesting. Like, the nature, what is debate? Yeah. If you're going to have a what is debate movie, then you need to have a movie about Jasmine. Okay? Yes. Like, and that could be a movie that, like I said, is a love story between Jasmine and Bennett, or one that doesn't include prep school students at all, except as extras, the way that Jasmine is basically an extra in this movie. Right. You can't have a, a movie the where, Camp like, Tiger the climax... Yes! The climax of the movie is this, like, stirring breaking of the rules of debate when, like, that's not what the movie's about, and it's not the... Th- fight that the main characters it's not like when bennett and lona have been working together in their cool montage it's not like bennett's like i really think we should incorporate some more emotional stuff into our debate and lona's like no 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 facts are the only thing we got we get graded on and then they have a fight and then they stop talking and they get back together like (laughs) what is this movie about (laughs) is it about the futility of modern debate or is it about these kids who don't know how to live as teenagers, like, right. friggin' make up your mind, pick a theme, and then write an act structure around it. <laughs> and Bennett's like, we've never even been to a party. And then at the end, when they have a chance to go to a party, they don't go to a party. <laughs> they don't go to a party. <laughs> and meanwhile, Kathy is up in heaven going like, you didn't actually learn anything from me, <laughs> did you? Kathy now runs a candy shop in heaven. <laughs> Can I say one last thing? I know it's late. We want to wrap up. The regional qualifiers, or not regional qualifiers, one of the trophies they get along the way before the final trophy that they don't win. But they win a trophy along the way that is a giant, like, bowl. Mm, Yes. Like a silver... Put candy in the bowl. That's what I thought was going to (sighs) happen. I thought they were going to take that trophy and put a bunch of candy in it and go to the movies together. Or whatever. Or put it on Kathy's grave. With a bunch of candy in it. <laughs> With a bunch of candy in it. I mean, I don't know if you really want to put candy on somebody's grave. That seems like it, you're asking for, like, foxes to dig up a grave or something. <laughs> put a lid on idea. it. <laughs> put fake, put fake candy. Put, like, marbles in it. Like, as a representation of candy. <laughs> or that ribbon candy that's, like, super hard and doesn't degrade. <laughs> Break all the fox's teeth. <laughs> Screw them. Or like- I really, I really like the cinematography. I thought the uh, so a lot of the actors were like really, they were really doing their best. Yeah, every, you know, yeah, they, they were, were really their bringing their a game. Nobody was phoning it in. No, I liked a lot of the ideas, and I just was like, somebody, like somebody needed to step in at the screenplay phase and like clean this up and like decide what the plot arc is. Yeah, and and if this is gonna be like a teen you know, like a teen movie, I would focus a little bit more on the romance. Like, yeah. Oh, for totally. sure. Cause they could tell like, to, look, enemies to boyfriend, girlfriend. That's a tale as old as time. My friend, that, that is a trope that both of us on this call like very much and would have been Who very does into. It like enemies <laughs> to lovers. That's like the best. Yeah. Come on y'all. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. 
I guess we don't know exactly what we're going to do. My vote is for... Oh, the other thing I w- the other thing that we could do, and we can talk about this more offline, but Ian, listener Ian, a while back put on our Facebook page that he wanted us to do Never Have I Ever, which is a Netflix show that really truly has a great enemies to friends to crushing on each other arc that I really enjoyed. So if you Oh, you've watched it already. Yeah, okay. so if you want to do that, if you want to watch that at some point. I mean, I think it's a 10 episodes season. So I think mm. it would be worth it for us to spend a few weeks on doing okay. like, you know, two maybe two episodes at a time, but um mm. I really enjoyed it and it had a lot of other themes going on in addition to that, but it's a TV show so it can handle that, right? I mean, I think that the maybe the fact that you had all these themes that got really muddled like maybe the fact that the director of this movie is used to directing episodic television like you can have all those themes play out in different episodes of tv but not in a feature film right and character development in a episodic like you can do it in one and then it just sort of carries over to the next you know you don't have to keep you know right so anyway yeah (sighs) okay so we're not sure what we're gonna do but it might be never have i ever We'll have to look into that. Book smart. And book, you want to do book smart. Yeah. To wrap this theme up. I don't know. Maybe we'll do like one other yeah. before we do book smart. Okay. Until next time, have a really good time, everybody, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next time, Ding Dogs. I'll take the back road. I'll take the back recording <laughs> no i need and now i need sorry silence again i'm giving you silence <laughs> okay <laughs> okay starting now